Hey there, you're listening to The Brave Yes, the show where we explore the many brave yes leaps that creatives, entrepreneurs, and changemakers can make in order to show up in this world more fully as you, without apology. I'm your host, Sean Fink, a coach who does, helps you dig out from the rubble of a busy life of shoulds and expectations and design your most authentic, courageous life and career path. Whether it's changing jobs or trying a new industry, starting a business or writing a book or a new program for your business, these scary slash exciting changes are hard to do alone. I'm here to guide you through choosing and experiencing the spiritual and the soulful and the strategic parts of living into your brave. This episode is brought to you by the free for all Brave Yes newsletter, a weekly email to inspire your own Brave Yes journey. The newsletter, along with this podcast, are designed to inspire your own creativity and courage to living, creating, and leading life your way. When you sign up, you'll instantly receive my 10 Brave Yes living tips to start putting into action in your own life and journey. A link to subscribe will be in the show notes or head over and learn more at seanfink.com. So welcome. Hello. How are you? And how is it with your soul today? Whenever I ask my guests that question, my whole body just kind of drops. And I think it's a really good question to ask today as I dive into this particular episode, which is talking about the powerful and painful politics of perfectionism. So grab a cup of tea or a cup of lemonade and settle in, get comfortable, or take yourself out on a walk to listen to this episode today. Because what I'm talking about is really one of the most important conversations we can have when it comes to living your brave yes life. It is something that I have struggled with. It is something that I have overcome. And it is something that I am still struggling with in at least one part of my life. So let's get started. What stops you? from writing or creating with wild abandon? What holds you back from going for it as a brave leader or change maker? What prevents you from going after your most wildest inner longings? Likely, your answer is fear. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of making a mistake, And I would clarify that behind that fear is something else. Perfectionism. Every single one of my private coaching clients who are trying to up-level in their life, their business, their career, they have struggled with some form of perfectionism. And so I've had a lot of conversations. (laughs) And this is one obstacle I know that prevents so many 
creatives, entrepreneurs, and change makers from living and leading more boldly so that we can show up more visibly and confidently in this world and make a difference. Perfectionism stops us from doing what brings us most alive, what brings us meaning and purpose, and what can offer us the most joy. And it does so by keeping us small and quiet in a world that rewards the most boisterous and visible. I would absolutely call myself at this point a healing perfectionist. (laughs) I'm not yet in full recovery as I still struggle to lay down my perfectionistic tendencies in some parts of my life. But I am absolutely on track to care way less about just about everything very, very soon. (laughs) And I'm learning to live a brave yes life despite my own perfectionism. But first, Let's talk about what perfectionism is and isn't. I want to talk about the politics of perfectionism. This this episode, this blog post, is a part of the series that I am uh, doing right now on the politics of languishing. So last week, I talked about the politics of overworking and overdoing as part of this series, The Politics of Languishing, which is a multi-article, multi-podcast look into the reason women have been languishing between survival mode and thriving and flourishing for years. So today, I want to talk about overworking's very close cousin, perfectionism. So nearly every woman I talk to proudly proudly declares that she is a perfectionist. That's not surprising. Calling ourselves perfectionists has become a bit of a self-indulgent way to describe oneself. However, being a perfectionist can be dangerous and unhealthy. So let's dive into how we became so obsessed with perfectionism and Some of this is my own speculation. It's my own observations of the world. And I think after you hear me out, you probably will agree. So my own experience with perfectionism began with a love-hate with the internet and social media around 2016 because of the pressure of perfectionism. Prior to that year, I loved social media and the beautiful connections it brought into my life. I used Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest avidly until I no longer felt I could keep up with the image of it all. Or rather, maybe I just refused to keep up with it all. And to this day, I adore my computer friends, coaches and business owners and writers and creatives and authors and makers and change makers around the world who I connect with on the daily and feel like I'm on the same page with, even if we'll never actually ever meet in person. But at some point over the last decade, real life, authentic life got snatched up by perfect idealism. And what we see online now is a level of perfectionism that is nearly impossible to attain and yet attractive enough to keep women striving for it all. And this leaves you feeling as if you are not enough. 
when the algorithms began rewarding beautiful lifestyle influencer culture, and that took over and began to flood the airwaves, one thing was clear. I was not going to be able to keep up with the gorgeous at all times aesthetic and elegant behind the scenes. I just wasn't into that sort of thing. And so over the last few years, I haven't put much energy into social media as a result. Until recently, when I rejoined Instagram with a whole new intention. So I'm an interior designer for human beings, not rooms. <laughs> I think it's really clear that I say that to you. I care deeply about people, especially empowering women and girls. I don't care what your rooms look like. I care what your inner landscape feels like. And I can tell you that from my own understanding of human beings, from my own research and awareness, I can without a doubt declare that most women feel exhausted from all the striving they are doing to keep up. And so today's installment of the politics of languishing is diving into the power and the influence that perfectionism has over us and how it's truly exhausting us, possibly more than all that hard work we've been doing to keep up. Not only are women working longer and longer hours, either in the home, at work, or in their business, but they are also striving endlessly to live and keep and portray a life of perfection. If it's true that women have been languishing for years and overworking and overdoing is contributing to that feeling of emptiness, then it's also important that we recognize and become fully aware of the pressure that perfectionism is adding into our everyday lives. So what is perfectionism and why does it haunt us so? We can argue that striving for perfection is not a new struggle for women. Just think back to June Cleaver and leave it to Beaver. Women wanted to be June, the archetypical suburban white mom that was held up as the ideal woman. And so the idea of perfectionism isn't new, but it has evolved and even gotten more and more out of hand. Paul Hewitt, author of Perfectionism, A Relational Approach to Conceptualization, Assessment, and Treatment, said in a recent interview on perfectionism as a mental health issue, that perfectionism is a broad personality style characterized by a hypercritical relationship with oneself. He says, setting high standards and aiming for excellence can be positive traits. But perfectionism is dysfunctional because it's underscored by a person's sense of themselves as permanently flawed or defective. One way they try to correct that is by being perfect. A good friend of mine, Tanya Geisler, a coach and expert in the imposter complex, says that perfectionism is a common behavior for imposter complex. She writes in an article, we are constantly bombarded with images of what perfect looks like, even if it mostly completely unattainable. 
and we internalize it from a young age. So, of course, if you've been hanging around here, you'll know that I'm, I'm interested in, in all the things that we can do to dismantle the patriarchy. And there is clear evidence that perfectionism and the patriarchy are connected and that the root cause of perfectionism in our society has everything to do with the way we have been taught. And this power structure is what is keeping us feeling trapped in striving. Trapped in striving. Perfectionism is deeply rooted in both the patriarchal, a system that favors men, and white supremacy culture, the system that favors white people. Sociologist and gender inequality research Researcher Sylvia Walby defines the patriarchy as a system of social structures and practices in which men dominate, oppress, and exploit women. And so how does perfectionism and patriarchal systems connect? Well, women are constantly trying to strive to keep up. We do this through all the behaviors that result in trying to be perfect, showing up on time, how we dress and look, going above and beyond to stand out and make an impression, people-pleasing, and being extra kind so we're taken more seriously. All this efforting we're doing day in and day out in order to be perfect is actually intended to keep us feeling safe and comfortable. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be passed over. We don't want to be outcast. We don't want to miss out. We don't want to look like imposters. And so we strive all day and all night to keep up the appearance that we have our act together and nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong with us. We are not flawed. We are not flawed. And all that striving to look good and look joyful and look smart and look like our homes are perfect and ideal and our families are happy is absolutely exhausting. Ah, but that is not all. There is another power system at play in our perfectionistic standards as well. One that I believe is a huge problem we must address, and that is how perfectionism and racism are tied together. According to Showing Up for Racial Justice, white supremacy culture is upheld through perfectionism characteristics, such as the following. Showing little appreciation expressed among people for the work that others are doing, appreciation that is expressed usually directed to those who get most of the credit anyway. More common is to point out either how the person or their work is inadequate, or even more common, to talk to others about the inadequacies of a person or their work without, without ever talking directly to the person. Mistakes are seen as personal. They reflect badly on the person making them as opposed to just being seen for what they are. Mistakes that human beings make. Making a mistake is confused with being a mistake. Doing wrong with being wrong. Little time, energy, or money put into reflection or identifying lessons learned that can improve practice. In other words, little or no learning from mistakes. And then finally, tendency to identify 
what is wrong, little ability to identify and name and appreciate what is right. So this power structure that we're caught up in, the patriarchal and the white supremacy culture and the striving and, and the imagery of keeping it all together and knowing that we are okay because we're not flawed, it's having a negative impact on our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. So before I continue, I just want to really be clear that this podcast, this blog post that I've written is written from the perspective of me and my own research and experience as a white woman. It is rooted in my white privilege. It is rooted in my experience as a woman who grew up in a rural community and worked hard to live a very stereotypical life. And it's also rooted in the work I do as a coach for creatives, entrepreneurs, and change makers who struggle with shedding perfectionism so they can live a more purpose-driven, impactful life of ease and joy. We know that perfectionism is causing extreme exhaustion and a feeling of not enough. I've already talked about that. All we have to do is ask any working mother and see how she's doing right now to know if perfectionism is working. It's also possible that perfectionism, though, is creating an enormous amount of stress and displeasure in our lives because we can't possibly ever actually achieve the level of perfect we're striving for. <sighs> but we keep trying anyway. And all of this striving for perfectionism could possibly be killing us as well. In a great well-researched article on Vox connecting mental health and perfectionism, they wrote the, the rise in perfectionism is especially troubling because it has been linked to an array of mental health issues, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, deliberate self-harm and obsessive compulsive, compulsive disorder. The constant stress of striving to be perfect can also leave people fatigued, stressed, and suffering from headaches and insomnia. And yes, I said perfectionism is on the rise. In that same article, the authors talked about a study on the prevalence of perfectionism and found an increase in the number of people struggling with it. From 1989, about 9% of respondents posted high scores in socially prescribed perfectionism. But by the end of the study, that had doubled to about 18%. So all this proving ourselves in a growing list of perfect life domains is causing us exhaustion, stress, headaches, insomnia, mental health disorders, and much, much more. When June Cleaver was all that we aspired to be, we simply needed to have a nice home, nice clothing, and a, an ideal perfect family. But if June was still a role model in this modern era, she would also be volunteering as the PTO president, working a second or possibly a third job, probably as a blogger, <laughs> and putting up aesthetic pictures of her life on Instagram to prove her worth and her joy, and trying to construct the perfect photo gallery wall of her perfect family life. 
while making an Instagrammable worthy dinner. I just threw that in there. The truth is that there is much more rubble of perfectionism to climb out of as modern women. Our domains to strive in and be perfect in have expanded immensely. It's no longer just about how we look and our perfect family life. Perfectionism has seeped into every single part of our modern lives as women, and it is beginning to take all of our joy and ease. It's beginning to steal all of our free time and mental energy, leaving little time for real pleasure. Here are just some of the perfect life domains I see my friends and colleagues struggling with, as well as new clients of mine when they first come to work with me. The perfect body, the perfect fashion, the perfect home, the perfect self-care, the perfect family, the perfect career, the perfect vacation, the perfect workspace, the perfect image, the perfect activist, the perfect cook, the perfect social media account, the perfect reading stack, the perfect planner pages, the perfect bullet journal page, the perfect meal, the perfect plant wall, the perfect child. Do you recognize any of yourself in any of that? What happens when we see only visual images of perfection day in and day out, we don't realize how those images seep into our brain and replace whatever enough was for us. And it begins a vicious cycle of not enough. In fact, all of this constant striving for perfectionism is so exhausting that even influencers are burning out. Influencers are those people who you see on Instagram <laughs> and other social media uh, selling products and, and uh, really um, influencing right? Influencing what you buy, what you wear, what you do. And then there is the perfectionism of white supremacy that is exhausting black women who are tired of feeling like they need to be quote unquote twice as good according to one blog post that I read as as white women and are realizing they need to quote unlearn perfect as a way of life. I'm concerned that the mental health issues we are seeing today are just as much about perfectionism as they are about our generation's inability to unplug, slow down, and rest. We are so caught up in the patriarchal system of overworking and overdoing of the past that we're exhausting ourselves and being more ineffective as a result. All this proving ourselves is causing more harm than good. The women who come to me for coaching tell me they are burned out. They are exhausted. They want to make a difference. But the truth is they can barely find the energy to shower and do their own work, let alone do the work of a change maker. And I wonder if all that proving themselves is what's more of their issue than they know. Until we get under the hood of what is driving your perfectionism, it's hard to tell. A client of mine who has trouble relaxing recently told me about a quote she read that resonated with her and encouraged her to stop trying so hard to do everything so perfectly. The quote is by Edith Eager, who survived imprisonment in a Nazi concentration camp. Her parents were murdered there on the first day. She says, if you have something to prove, 
you are still a prisoner. So what's healthy perfectionism and what's unhealthy? I think it's really important that we break this down. So just this week, I let myself off the hook to publish this piece on a Tuesday rather than a Monday, since Monday was a holiday here in the United States. My brain was yelling at me and telling me that I'm supposed to publish on a Monday. I must publish on a Monday. To do so, though, would have required taking time away from my family and working on the weekend. The voices in my head kept shouting, you can't fail. They will reject you. You can't let people down. You can't possibly do something that isn't what you said you would do. Well, as you can see, I published on Tuesday, not Monday, and everyone survived. And quite frankly, no one cared either, I'm sure. But part of my own identity is wrapped up in doing and doing exceedingly well. In fact, one of my top strengths is having an appreciation of beauty and excellence. I always strive for excellence, but sometimes that can mean I stumble through and get stopped by perfectionism. And so as part of my own healing from this awful pressure that we put on ourselves, I'm learning to strive for excellence without expecting perfect, which means I focus on giving perfect effort, not perfect results. It means I'm finishing things even if they aren't how I envision them finished. It means I'm choosing radical rest even when I know I could be perfecting something a little bit more, like this podcast and blog post. When we strive for excellence, we are striving to do our best, which may not be perfect, whatever that is, but we can let go of what others are going to think of us in the process. However, there is another form of perfectionism that takes it to a whole new level, and that happens when we worry too much about what others are going to think of us or our work, and that is toxic perfectionism. Like toxic productivity, which I discussed in the first piece in this series, toxic perfectionism shows up when we lean too far into the extremes and operate in an all or nothing mindset. Toxic perfectionism operates under the mindset that if it can't be done perfectly, it should not get done. Toxic perfectionism can also result in a diminished sense of self-worth if you tie perfectionistic outcomes to your inner worth. The truth is that my own perfectionism runs toxic in only one area of my life, and that's my creative output and my work. My house is far from perfect. Same for my fashion sense. Even my hair, I would argue, is never perfect. I'm okay with imperfect children, though my kids would argue otherwise, and I'm okay with imperfect social media accounts. But my creative work, my coaching, my programs, that's another situation entirely. In the past, if I didn't think a project would turn out perfect, I would quit. Or I'd easily let a mistake ruin my day or cause a dip into my own enoughness. And when something doesn't turn out well, I can easily beat myself up about it relentlessly. This is my growth area. This is where my brave yes living circles right now. 
healthy perfectionism, which I prefer to call striving toward excellence rather than perfection, can be a very good thing for our lives. And I'll just add for talking to our children too, right? This comes up a lot in conversations. Just how hard do we push our kids without giving them all of our baggage on perfectionism? Healthy perfectionism shows up in characteristics such as setting meaningful, powerful goals and sticking to them. Trying new things and being okay if you fail. Using curiosity to solve problems. Being okay with trial and error. Feeling satisfied with your efforts. Finishing things even if they aren't how you envisioned them. A simple yet powerful way to start to heal your perfectionism. So... My clients are high achievers. I mean, they just are. I am, they are, I attract them. It's all good. As creatives, entrepreneurs, and change makers, they want to do big things, epic things, everyday brave yes things that make an impact and a difference in their families and their communities or their businesses or their creativity. And they want ease and to enjoy this one life they get. And almost always they hire me to help them because they are afraid afraid of failing, of not getting it right, of messing up or not figuring it out. They're afraid of change or they're afraid of doing it all alone or afraid of not following through on their dreams. At the root of all of our fears is a very high level of perfectionism seeping through like rainwater on a tent wall. It's invisible and yet it damages everything in its wake. This is why I work with my clients on unearthing your best selves from the rubble of perfectionism, overworking, and all those other invisible obstacles so you can carve out new stories around what it means to have unshakable resilience so that you can do the big, scary, life-changing things that you know you want to do. Part of that work that we do is creating a new story around making mistakes. In their book, Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Code, Emily and Amelia Nagoski wrote about the mad woman in the attic. I resonated so much with this metaphor as it's a reference from the Jane Eyre, the book Jane Eyre. In the book, Jane Eyre, there is a wife in the attic who is not mentally well. The authors of Burnout use this metaphor to talk about the inner critic that is hiding within all of us, and they ask us to name it and visualize it so it's not just some vague, powerful bully hanging over us. This is a similar exercise I use with my clients who are trapped under the rubble of extreme perfectionism or overworking. We tend to identify your inner taskmaster that is influencing you to overwork, overdo, and overperfect everything. So you can actually finish things, rest, and take it easy on yourself. The goal is to make an impact with your art, your work, or your leadership and stop getting in your own way. And honestly, it's helpful for all of us because we all have an inner critic that is controlling us and it's vital to know who she or he is so that we can address those fears and worries and bring a sense of comfort. Sometimes... We have many inner critics and it takes time to unearth them all. <laughs> but it's important to keep getting to know these parts of us 
to experience wholeness. So speaking of wholeness, let's talk about the freedom to be whole and imperfectly perfect. In my coaching work, I am focused on helping my clients feel and experience wholeness, where all of your many parts come together and align. This is work I've been doing with women for at least a decade, if not longer. For me, when I feel whole, I feel free. Wholeness requires that we let go of perfectionism. Wholeness demands access to all of our messiest insecure parts. After all, it's all of our many parts that make us, us. Without my chaos and my overwhelmed brain and my empathic ways, I am not me. Just like without my intense spiritual gifts and strategic visioning skills, I am not me. When we can finally bring all of ourselves, mistakes and imperfections included to the forefront, we feel liberated. In order to get to that place where we are all totally free, we must work together to allow mistakes, to be okay with weird, to accept and embrace people living, working, and leading in full color. We must trust each other to try and fail at things. We must be willing to admit that we attempted the new or the impossible and it didn't go as we had hoped, and that's okay. We must be willing to let imperfect be perfectly okay. We must be okay with yards with dandelions in the grass. Those weeds turn into seeds that spread wishes and dreams. Only then can we all be free. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Brave Yes. I hope you have picked up on the subtle and not so subtle inner and outer resources you need to help you walk your own Brave Yes journey. I, as always, encourage you to leave a review if you like this podcast and you want to keep seeing new episodes. Also, please share it with a friend. The more who hear about it, the more the algorithm gods will share it with others as well. And if you are interested in exploring more resources to help you on this journey, sign up for my free Brave Yes newsletter so you're the first to learn about Brave Yes action hours and programs on living more boldly and courageously and to explore whether we're a good fit for private coaching. I hope this week you will experiment, be curious, be playful in what it means to let go of perfectionism for yourself and for others.